Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the second part of our Character Unlock Call of Duty special. Thanks ever so much for coming back for the uh, continuation of last week's episode. I'll just get straight into it, sit back, I hope you enjoy the episode, and uh, let us know your thoughts on Twitter and Facebook and wherever else you can find us. Thank you very much. That was 2009, and we move on to... Black Ops 1. Uh, yeah, Black Ops 1, which... I No, I I loved Black Ops 1. The almost sequel to World at War. But it was a sequel to World at War. Yeah, it was a sequel it, in, in an odd roundabout way. Yeah, it was, a, it was a World at War... It was more than just a follow-on for the company. It was a, a sequel-ish. Yeah, it's, what, 20 years. So it's like World War 2's World at War to, what, Vietnam's Black Ops? Yeah. But not just Vietnam... It, it was Vietnam and then some. Yeah, so the setting for, for Black Ops was... Okay, some of it was Vietnam, but it was more Cold War. Yeah. It, so it was it was Vietnam, it was Cuba, it was... Yeah, things like that. It, it was that kind of era. It was... It was Treyarch's attempt to not... You know, to kind of move on from, from what the World War II setting. Uh, but not go full modern warfare. We'll, we'll go... And we'll, we'll go classic gaming so people can play stuff that's iconic memorable storyline that of, of areas that people know about without so, going this is what life is at the moment and what they've done actually and this is this was genius on Treyarch's part the story they done uh do you know the Manchurian candidate uh yes it's basically the Manchurian candidate you know for all intents and purposes it's you know dude brainwashed and trained to be a, a killer by the government who can you know can be activated by certain things, basically. But they brought in David S. Goyer to write the script. Now, David S. Goyer's written shitloads, not all of it good. He wrote Black Ops, which was very good. But, you know, he's responsible for screenwriting the Dark Knight trilogy, Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, which was excellent. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, So they had excellent story to start with, and they built this amazing game around it, which, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I can say anything bad about Black Ops. I don't think... No, I can't. You know, its setting was different, original. It had a strange kind of, like I say, Manchurian candidate style story to it as well. It was a lot of fun. It was brutal. Some of it was quite horrible. You know, it ripped off plenty. I mean, it, it famously it rips off Deer Hunter's Russian roulette scene when it kills off Ice Cube because we needed Ice Cube in a Call of Duty <laughs> game. Yeah, but Ice Cube was probably the most... It was probably the best part about it because he's the narrator for the American armies uh, in the multiplayer. Yeah. So you get to have his lovely uh, voice for hearing enemy UAVs or yeah. 
and his inability to pronounce the letter D on inbound. <laughs> but it was also, uh, it was it wasn't as revolutionary as say Modern Warfare or Modern Warfare Two, but it it, it changed a few things up. M- you know, most importantly, even though it was kind of a weird, it's a little thing to think about. It's the first time your character spoke. Before then, the the, the player's character never talked. Yeah. Or if he if he talked, it was while you weren't in control of him. But here, you playing as Alex Mason, voiced by shit Terminator Sam Worthington. yeah you spoke you know you were part of the story you know you got involved in the story and yeah you i mean did did you play black ops i I did play black ops it was i it was one of the few Treyarch games that i enjoyed i mean obviously i liked uh, call of duty 3 Treyarch game and what world at war was very fun but after that black ops came about really it's a it's a bad way to say it, but Modern Warfare Two was the the first and last Call of Duty game that I fell in love with. Black Ops came after it, so naturally I bought it based on the fact that I've played a Call of Duty game and I loved it. So let's get the next Call of Duty game and see how I feel. And okay. I finished the story, and moving on to, from that, played the zombies. But I I moved back to Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two from from that. And Black Ops was sole purpose was playing zombies after finishing the story, and Modern Warfare 2 was why I played the multiplayer. Fair enough. So I've got I know the the it's the Cold War 1960s. You play as Mason and whatnot. I do remember the mission where you're the SR-71 pilot. Yeah, see that was that was and kind of one of the different things, you know, because every year they try and do something a little bit different, or they at least used to try and do something a little bit every year. And this one was the SR-71 missions where you. You're we're trying to sneak people through bases. Yeah, you're, you're the um, RTS style. Yeah. You're you're moving this. The, here's a group of enemies. You need to move your soldiers to this location so they've got an ambush. Yeah. Or you need to move them here so they're not seen. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's really and, and it, interesting, especially well, in ever, the harder difficulties. Yeah, because you used to have to kind of you were supposed to stealth it through the game like that. And if you didn't, you were suddenly put into the position of the guys on the ground, and all of a sudden you're in a gunfight. And you have to, you know, clear everything out before you're given control of the SR-71 back. So, you know, it was an achievement to get through. I think it was actually an achievement to get through that section without... Taking control uh, of the, the gun without, without taking control of the guys on the ground. It was an interesting little add-on. Uh, it was taken a step too far, I think, in the next Black Ops game. But at least for this one, I thought it was excellent. And it was... It had a lot of freedom, considering that it's the time it was set. It had a lot of freedom to do different things and go different places and play with this, you know, this fantastical idea of what Americans think happened during the Cold War. But you also get a lot of time to, you know, to see again a bit like with the early ones. You see a lot of things that, that really happened. You know, you spend time in the Bay of Pigs, at which point you try to assassinate a very young Castro. Yeah. Well, you, you know. do essentially. You, as far as you're aware, you do assassinate Fidel Castro. Yeah, and until the very end of the mission, where you find out it was a body double, and yeah. that's what starts the storyline along, where you you bump into Reznov. Yeah, and, and then I was going to say that, and then you know uh, you're stuck in a gulag with Reznov, which is you know, and he becomes he's almost a parody of himself in parts of this this game, which is really cool. He's he's almost like he's less Reznov and more drunk Gary Oldman when he turns up in that Friends episode, <laughs> but. When you skip past all that, he's, you know, Reznov's back, and this is where, you know, it's it's all but confirmed that this is a sequel to World at War. And Reznov helps you through most of the campaign. Most of the time, 
you're with just you know you're just Mason and Reznov. I like the mission in that one where you play as Reznov. The the the, the this is what this is the reason why Reznov's in the Gulag. The uh, they're going to find the Nova Six on I think it was a, a boat in the Arctic or a submarine in the Arctic. Yeah, and that's the point where you realise that. Dimitri, the guy who gets shot at the end of World at War, survived being shot. Your your player character in World at War for the yeah. Russian side survived being shot, and you're playing as Reznov, and it's that's where Dimitri dies, and that's why Reznov is really against the the, the enemies that you are uh, up against. He's yeah. because he's witnessed his entire um, team die in front of him thanks to the the nerve gas, the, the Nova yeah. Six, and it's that's what sets the story going because it's yeah. before that it's just typical this is 1960 CIA black ops missions and th- there was n- there wasn't necessarily a story involved it's just you could be doing a a CIA black ops mission here you could be doing it over here but it's the Reznov character that ties it all together really well no i i was a i was a, a big fan of Reznov's character and i thought he'd done amazingly well tying everything together and, and again like I said Gary Oldman even if, even in his shittiest of roles he's still better than most and he was great as Reznov and it's probably the only Call of Duty whose story is more important than the gunplay in it and by the time you get to the end you know the, the twist after twist after twist towards the end they just they blow you away even if you see them coming you know they're absolutely outstanding and it's it's a testament to the story writing and the direction of the game that you know a story like that which in a film would be pretty run of the mill it, you know in a game that you know where you're in control it's it's that good and it's that interesting it was you know it was really it was refreshing when it came out and it it has been certainly for me since it's been topped with some twists and some stories but not by much yeah i i can honestly say that the 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 twist to that in the game i didn't really see coming the first the first one well it's the first not the first one the second one really the one that's really obvious right from the get go yeah of the the interrogation room it's quite clearly the cia oh yeah it's like right from the start it's it's painfully obvious that the interrogation is being done by the CIA on you. It's it was the the other one, the the Reznov. That's I didn't yes. see that one. The Reznov twist was very 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 well uh, played. Es- yeah, especially was... the 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 view from the CIA guys when you play the Nova Six mission. Yeah. And you you see what happens through the the glass. Yeah. The, the... You play as Hudson. Yeah, you play as Hudson for that mission, and I that 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 scene I didn't see that one coming, and I'm. That bit of storytelling where you see that scene from both angles of Mason and Hudson, one after the other, that was good storytelling. Yep. And I'm I'm a lot wiser now, I'll, I'll say was, that. <laughs> it was quite refreshing as well, considering, you know, we were, at this point, we're two Modern Warfare games in, and two Modern Warfare games have blown people away. Treyarch could have just rested on their laurels and just, they could have churned out anything and it would have made a shitload of money. They just needed to put zombies on a game and go, yeah, yep. here's Call of Duty Zombies, the video game. Have yep. money, please. But even the zombies were different for this one, weren't they? Because they, they had the story and they had, you know, you had presidents and famous people getting in on the act. You you know, you didn't just play random soldier dude. Oh, yeah, the zombies mission for, what was it, post post the story of the game. And yep. After the credits, you, you load into uh, a zombies game and you've got, Fidel Castro, John F. Kennedy, Richard Nixon, yep. and the, some other bloke. 
I can't remember the other one. But no, you're right. But you're in you're in the White House and you're trying to you have to go to the war room and you have to get to DEFCON 5 for the story. Yeah. And I think it's brilliant because it's later on that in the DLC map, Ascension, which is the one that I played a fucking ton because it was possibly the most interesting of the maps and probably yeah. the most fun one for Easter eggs to pick up. Yeah. But there are sections of 5 for the zombies map with the way you answer telephones. Yeah. And depending on who it is that you're playing as, when you answer the telephone, you get a specific character show up, uh, well, to, to talk down the telephone to you okay. in, in in a roundabout way of what they're doing. It sounds kind of like someone talking to you while fighting off a horde of enemies at the same time. Ascension has phones in it as well. And if you pick up the, the phone, you hear the reverse. Okay. So it's like they're happening at the exact same time. All so right. if you're playing as that. one of the characters, you pick the phone up, you could hear Richard Nixon or John F. Kennedy or Fidel Castro fighting hordes of zombies. <laughs> now, that right there showed exactly where Treyarch are going with, with the zombies in the story. Yeah. That, I didn't realise at the time. It wasn't until later reading into it. I was, I was thinking back going, I do remember that. I, I absolutely remember picking up a, one of the random phones because it was ringing and Richard Nixon talking to me, saying one of his weird little one-liners in the game. Nice. No, I, I never knew that. I, briefly briefly touching on, on the multiplayer, because again, I, I, I didn't play... No, I like Black Ops. I played a lot of the multiplayer. Because, I played a lot of one of the game modes of the multiplayer. Well, this was the thing. So you had to... I was achievement hunting or trophy hunting. Uh, when Black Ops came out, and you had to prestige at least once, so hit max level, circle all the way back to zero again. Uh, you had to do that once, I believe, for a trophy. Yes, so I, had I to think so. Yeah. I mean, it only took me a couple of sessions to do it. It didn't take long, because it doesn't take long. But I played it for a little while, but it's worth noting that this was... A lot of the multiplayer content was done by Raven Software, who it was their first, their first time spending any time with the Call of Duty... Uh, franchise now, if, if I remember rightly, believe <laughs> I believe Raven Software are the guys who took over doing things like Quake and well, they've done Wolfenstein as well, if I remember rightly. Yes, not the not the new good ones, not the good the ones, but the shit ones. Yeah, uh, the shit PS3 one from a few <laughs> years ago. That uh, wasn't what well, it wasn't awful. It wasn't. Oh, great. It, it was fucking terrible. I was the only person when I, I played one game of multiplayer of that and I was the only one who knew what the fuck was going on because I played, played the story. Player. Yeah. But yeah, that was their, I think that was their first foray into into the Call of Duty multiplayer scene. And then and they done the awesome one for me was they introduced Gun Game, which was a it's a years old uh game type, but it was the first time it appeared in Call of Duty where it you the, It was the first time it appeared anywhere that was outside of what CS. Yeah, pretty much. You start so, with the shit pistols, work your way up to ridiculously powerful weapons, and then move all the way to the ballistic knife. Yep. Yeah, ballistic knives. And tomahawks. Yep. And tomahawks. So yeah, so they introduced gun game to multiplayer, which was awesome. I I played I played gun game for quite a bit, uh, but it was one of those, especially for Black Ops, because it was the first time it happened, it was one of those game modes that just suffered from not being team deathmatch. Or so, search no, and destroy, really or domination. So no one really wanted to play it. Now I want—I was a big fan of the other game mode that they introduced. Well, one of the other two, because there was three. It was sticks and stones. No, the other one. One in the chamber. One One in the chamber. Yeah, one in the chamber was good. One in the chamber was absolutely my favourite because you—it was you had one. Everyone had one bullet. It was one shot kill. uh, But only if you shot them above waist height. Yeah. 
so you could shoot someone in the knee and they wouldn't die they'd get severely there was like 90% damage yeah but you didn't have to shoot them you could stab people and if you stab yeah. people you got their bullet you yep. only had three lives so the best thing to do run around stab Just everyone people. Yeah. until you've got six bullets and then you've got say six bullets your opponent's got one bullet because you're going to get a bullet back if you get killed yeah so let's say you've got six bullets and two lives your opponent's got one bullet and two lives yeah. it's quite simple who's going to win that because you've got the advantage of being able to spray a little bit you don't have <laughs> yeah. to wait you don't have to use the the, the quick aim lock on and abuse that and try and get that that one shot one kill situation you've got the a bit of leeway in that you can you can aim down the site early you can fire a shot miss and then fire a second one and hit yeah no i didn't mind one shot one kill that was quite uh, one in the chamber that was quite good sticks and stones was a bit shit as far as i was concerned um, I, I quite like tomahawks it. and crossbows crossbows i didn't mind it i i thought it was quite fun but gun game was where it was at for uh, I'm the person on gun game who ran around knifing everyone. <laughs> I didn't. It's like because you had to get a kill with the weapon to progress to the next one. I knew for yeah. a fact I I can't get the what? How many guns was it? it was like fifteen guns. Twenty. Twenty guns. I can't get twenty. I couldn't get you. I couldn't get twenty kills in a regular game of team deathmatch. There was no way in hell I was going to get twenty kills in a game of gun game considering I have to use guns that I would never have used I couldn't get 20 kills in a game of regular TDM using just the FAMAS like, so the FAMAS which is essentially a laser gun <laughs> it's like unbelievable low recoil type gun three yeah. bullets to kill someone I couldn't get 20 kills in that I didn't stand a chance in gun game so I was the, the dickhead running around knifing everyone knocking people down a peg nice so moving on so we're on to 2011, and we're on to Modern Warfare 3. Now, Modern Warfare 3 was interesting. It divided a lot of people. I, I mean, remember this. I didn't like it. No, no? I'm going to throw that one out there. I, I played the story to finish the story of Modern Warfare. That was it. That was all I cared about. I didn't. I wasn't interested in any of it. I didn't. I'd fallen away from Call of Duty at this point. I I I'd moved Battlefield. I was full Battlefield at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing with Battlefield was... Battlefield multiplayer was always where I spent my multiplayer time. Always, without fail. Uh, but Battlefield stories have never really been good. Outside of bad company. And that's not to say they're not fun to play. They are fun to play. But I've just never really been that invested in it. Whereas Call of Duty, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know what you're getting. You know, like it or not, you're getting a five to six hour fucking Michael Bay movie. Lots of explosions, lots of killing... But weirdly, and this was weird for me, and Modern Warfare 3 is where this kind of this kind of came to a head. I didn't realise just how much I gave a shit about some of the characters I was playing as or with. <laughs> so, yeah, and this is the thing, you know, I there there is that point in Modern Warfare 3, and you know, again, I'm going to spoil it, but when Soap dies, I was fucking distraught. Yeah, uh, I, I distinctly w- remember walking into the office because we we were working together at this point. Yeah, was, uh, what, I was. Uh, absolutely gutted walked into the office that one day that day after Call of Duty had been released we'd both played it we'd both reached that mission and I just walked into the office and I said soap (laughs) and you replied with soap (laughs) that was it that was was the whole conversation I was absolutely distraught and it is it was a weird moment when you realise you know love it or hate it and so many people hate Call of Duty especially when it comes to the campaign so many people hate it you know, and I've spent enough time ragging on it as a game series as well. But you suddenly realise that 
you know, five years later, you're playing the third entry to this series, and holy shit, okay, I'm, I'm not sitting in tears at it, but I was like, oh, you know, you have to pause it and walk away, and at the time I smoked, you know, kind of have a cigarette and compose myself, you know, oh, fucking hell, what the fuck? And, you know, respectively, you, you get to the end of the game, and you hang the dude and light your cigar, I was fucking cheering, you know, literally, I was, you know, I went from sitting on my sofa and in front of the TV, just playing and killing people, to literally yelling in an empty house, there's nobody else in the house, fucking have that, you cunt, you know, I was so fucking happy when I got to the end of that game, and went, you know, I, I feel like I've, I've done a good job here, this was, this was awesome, I shouldn't be, you shouldn't be able to have those feelings towards Call of Duty, you know, you say Call of Duty to most people and they think the multiplayer or they think, oh shit story. But I was really invested in Call of Duty as a as a series, as a story. And that, you know, that dwindles a little pretty much after this entry. But, you know, Battlefield never done that to me. Now, you want to talk about Medal of Honor, we can talk about how Medal of Honor fucking destroyed me. But <laughs> Battlefield never had that connection, never, never cared, never... In- no, it's unfair to say I never enjoyed the campaigns. I always played them; they were always fun. Yeah. But multiplayer for Battlefield the story, story for Call of Duty. always went to Call of Duty, which I know is really fucking stupid to say, and a lot of people are going to go, you know, think I'm a fucking retard for saying that. But that was where it was. And Modern Warfare Three, like you say, you didn't like it. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I think a lot of people. I think we'd been spoiled by that point. I think we'd been spoiled with you know the excellent. Uh, Call of Duty 4, which had, like, like we said, had revolutionised everything. Modern Warfare, not, World at War had given us zombies. Modern Warfare 2 had given us spec ops and still kept improvements to the multiplayer. You know, by the time we got to Modern Warfare 3, people were just waiting for that next big thing. And it didn't really happen with Modern Warfare 3. It had, you know, critically acclaimed story and critically acclaimed multiplayer, but for the masses who had been spoilt by the, the massive increase in quality every year for the last couple of years, by the time we got to Modern Warfare 3, you know, expectations were through the roof and they were never going to be met, no matter what they'd done. This thing could have spat gold hookers giving blowjobs at the second you put it into the, the machine. <laughs> it still wouldn't have met people's expectations. You know, there was no way it was living up to it. Yeah, but, I mean, that's just how I see it. I, like I said, I, I plugged the disc in and I, I thoroughly fucking enjoyed myself with Modern Warfare 3. Worth noting that we had, it was Sledgehammer Games co-developed it, who were a bunch of ex-Visceral guys, so the guys that made Dead Space back in the day. So they came along and they, they co-developed the game. It was their first Call of Duty game. They, you know, they come back a little bit later on. I think... Yeah, it had, it had a, a good... Had a, well, it had Paul Haggis writing. Uh, Paul Haggis, if, if you haven't come across him, I mean, he, yeah, most famously, he wrote, produced, and directed Crash back in the day. You know, <laughs> Which you know, this, Crash? This, uh, the good one. <laughs> not not the David Cronenberg car accident porn one. Yeah. <laughs> but, but maybe most telling about Modern Warfare 3, and this kind of... it. It perfectly sums up, you know, forgetting what I just said about, you know, really being invested in characters and that, but it pretty much sums up my feelings towards Call of Duty most of the time. The music for this one was done by a guy called Brian Tyler, who done, like, Rambo and The Expendables and a couple of Marvel films. Yeah. It just, I mean, that says everything to me about Call of Duty, just dumb, silly action films that... I'm not expecting to win Oscars at all, but I'm still going to enjoy my time with, you know. Call of Duty is the expendables of video games, and I am more than okay with that. I like the list of uh, NPC 
character voice actors. Yeah. Uh, Sandman is voiced by William Fitchner. Yep. Truck with Idris Elba. Yep. And Grinch is Timothy Oliphant. Yes, yes. I think, as far as it goes, that's that right there is a good cast for any film ever. <laughs> and obviously, you know, Kevin McKidden, Billy Connolly come back as Price and Soap. Pretty soap sure his name's Billy Murray, not Connolly. Billy Murray, sorry, not Billy. Pretty sure I said Billy Connolly earlier as well. You, you've been saying Billy Connolly the entire time. I don't fucking know why. I'm pretty because sure I wrote Billy mug. Connolly. Yeah, I'm a fucking knob. <laughs> Billy and, Murray, that's and, the way. And Craig Fairbrass and is... Uh, Craig Fairbrass comes back as well. He's, a, he's just random SAS dude. Yeah, instead of having spend- Gaz or Ghost, he's just some guy. And I think the only time you really spend with him is in the tube station. Which is a bit of a shame. But, you know, again, Craig Fairbrass, as much as he died in every modern warfare game, you know, he was always, he was a staple. He had to be there. Yeah. You know, I, I you say you didn't like Modern Warfare 3. I, I know a lot of people didn't. And I know it was the downturn for a lot of people for Call of Duty. You know, it's pretty much since Modern Warfare 3, it's like this universally hated game, even though everybody still buys it. Uh Ooh. Modern Warfare Three was the it was the the ugly duckling to, for one of a better term of the Modern Warfare franchise. It was the 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 churned out oh we've left a cliffhanger let's let's stick this here type situation. Yeah, Which, I mean, maybe I'm I'm not Modern sure War- I see it that way. There wasn't but... a cliffhanger ending to Modern Warfare One. A Modern Warfare Two was nicely put together because it was set five years afterwards. Modern Warfare Two's ending was a bit of a cliffhanger and it you you jump into the action all of about 20 seconds after the ending yeah which i think it suffered heavily based on the fact that it was generic sequel to generic sequel it's like Fair enough. robocop 3 oh no come on it was not fucking robocop 3 <laughs> uh, not mad max 3 yeah, I wouldn't even go that far. Yeah, like, but like I say, I I I lied. It was a good, it was a good way to finish the series. I think I probably would have been disappointed if two years later we got Modern Warfare Four. I think then yeah. I maybe would have gone. Mm, we don't need this anymore. But yeah, I think a lot of people would have been angry if Modern Warfare Modern Warfare Four had happened. But yeah. to an extent, it kind of did with one of the late with the uh, ghosts. Kind well, of half ish. Yeah, maybe. But at least with Modern Warfare 3, it had that that obvious one, the shock scene, that was the staple of the Modern Warfare franchise where you play as the family in London. Yeah, see, that was pretty hardcore. But I think at at that point, not only had we kind of gotten... I don't think we were numb to it by that point, but it wasn't as shocking as, say, No Russian was. No. It wasn't as shocking as, say, dropping a nuke. You know, chemical warfare or chemical attack in London... We were basically at this point playing an episode of Twenty Four. You know, yeah, there was it, it. It wasn't. It was a horrible scene, but I don't. It, and there were sites. I remember it happening as well. There were a couple of websites that tried to stir up a bit of controversy with it. Oh, this is the new No Russian. No, fuck no, it ain't. It's, it's <laughs> you've got no ties whatsoever to this family. It's essentially a cutscene that yeah. would have been in any game, any film, and there are much, much worse bits of the Rainbow Six book. Yep, oh, for and sure. So, and to an, to an extent, most Robert Ludlum books have much, much worse things happen in them than what yeah. fucking happens in that one scene that <laughs> you don't even need to watch and play. Isn't Modern Warfare 2 also where they knock over the Eiffel Tower? Modern Warfare 3, sorry. 
Yes, yes, that you blow up. I think they blow up part of the yeah. Eiffel Tower and it falls over. Think yeah. you do that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you don't. You just get to watch. No, you don't do it. It does happen, but it's not you the cause. That's less fun. But yeah, know, that, a, that's much worse than than a chemical bomb in London. Like the Eiffel Tower is like one of the most well-known yeah. landmarks in the world. But the Eiffel Tower was also destroyed by the guys that made the last G.I. Joe movie as well, so it's not that big. Not, not the last G.I. Joe movie. Well, the first G.I. Joe movie is even yeah. worse. Yeah. The last least, one was the one that had Ray Stevenson in it. He needs to be in a Call of Duty game. I'm pretty sure his life is Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. But game-wise, uh, Modern Warfare 3 had a couple of controversial bits about it. Most notably, do you remember Call of Duty Elite? Oh, God. The the, the, the pay the subscription that was like, you had to spend 80 quid to buy the Elite Edition. Or was it 80? It, was it 100? No, no, no. The the Elite COD Elite subscription was the online stat tracking and DLC package. Oh, yes. And this was basically a, the season pass before the season pass was really a thing. Back when companies were releasing season passes and calling them interesting names because they, they thought the idea season pass was a bit shit. But this was about the point, and this is, I think, is also kind of half the problem with Modern Warfare 3 and how it performed and how people view it, is because Activision went, we can monetize the shit out of this, so we're going to charge people for fucking stat tracking. Yeah, and I th- that was when Battlefield uh, Battle Log really showed up. Yeah. And people really moved into the Battlefield for our family because of Battle Log being free. It was like, yeah. And it was much better stat tracking at that. Oh yeah, absolutely. But uh, and yeah, uh, Raven Software came back for this one to do multiplayer. So they were at this point now it's the second year in a row that they've done the work for multiplayer and multiplayer content. So pretty much now they're just Call of Duty developers, whether you like it or not. And yeah, so after that we got to you know roll on 2012. Treyarch have got another one, and Treyarch bring out Black Ops 2. Black Ops 2. I don't know how you feel about this. One. I didn't. Didn't mind play it. it. You didn't play it. Didn't play it. Okay. So Black Ops 2, it was kind of... It had done a couple of interesting things. It, it it split the time in between the end of the Cold War, so late 80s, and the new Cold War, which is their made-up one, which is 2025. So in the old Cold War, you still play as, as Alex Mason. Uh, although, I, I, if I remember rightly, you're very quickly killed off as Alex Mason. And then in 2025, you play David Mason, Alex's son, uh, who is now a Navy SEAL, a nice futuristic... Navy SEAL. Now this I th- was Call of Duty's first kind of jump into sci-fi as it was. Obviously not with the old Cold War stuff, but with the new Cold War stuff you had some futuristic weapons, you know, weird, you know, wingsuiting made an appearance, things like that. But what it also done, and, and this was the first of Call of Duty, it had like player options, branching storylines, and you could affect the game by doing different things. You could affect how the story played out by doing different things. Which, for what until this point was just a corridor shooter, that is impressive. It done rather well. It wasn't particularly groundbreaking. Games have been doing it for a long time, and it and the way Call of Duty did it didn't really feel that special. It did have some fun bits to it. You know, you could choose to snipe somebody from a a building or get down and be a you know be the boots on the ground and get an assault rifle in there. You, you know, you could play around a little bit. It wasn't that big a deal, but it was a little bit of fun. But what it also did, what Treyarch brought into this, which has kind of become a regular thing now for these games, not not the next one, but from then on, you kind of had a like almost like a pre-mission HUD, so you could choose your weapons before hub. Sorry, so you could choose your weapons before you start a mission. 
So you basically set yourself a loadout before you go. You know, which which is good because if you found a gun that you like or a gun that you're good with, doesn't necessarily mean you know it it can sometimes be better than the gun that the game thinks you need for this part of the story. You know, and if you do nothing but carry fucking pistols with you, but you still get to a bit where you need to be a sniper, the sniper rifle will always be there. Or the way to get the sniper rifle will always be there. So it doesn't break the game by giving you the choice, but it does make you feel like you've got a choice and you're a little bit in control. And I quite liked that. As stories go, it was alright. It was okay. My problem with Black Ops 2 is I don't remember it that well. And considering it's only a few years ago, and I can, like I've said before, I can reel off massive sections of Call of Duty 4 without a problem. Black Ops 2, while it was fun, six months later I'd forgotten almost everything about it, which Mm. is a problem, you know, with a campaign. Well, um, I didn't pick it up on the grounds that it was futuristic shooter. Now, I'm not a future shooter fan. I'm an Xbox player and I don't like Halo. Which yeah. just seems like a ridiculous thing to say, obviously. But it's it's future shooters that's what I don't like, and it's why I don't like Halo, for instance. It's and it's when it was marketed Black Ops Two, I was like, oh yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, I might pick that up. Kind of liked Black Ops One, thought it was quite amusing, quite interesting. I'd be really interested to see where it goes. Yeah. And then I see the the that trailer where the dude's got a sniper rifle that can see through walls. And it's quite good. I quite like that weapon. It it seems, and I just I saw that and I was like, what? Why? Why is this a thing? Why do I need to be able to see a gun that I can see through walls? Not just like regular walls, but this is like a strut holding a bridge up type massive thick yeah. four meters worth of concrete wall, and I can see through it and I can shoot him through it. Yeah. No, I know. I know the weapon you're talking about. Why is that a thing? <laughs> why why do I possibly need to have a gun capable of doing that when I could probably walk 10 feet to the right and just shoot him regularly anyway it's like this is Call of Duty it's not like the, the ultimate stealth game where you need to kill people without moving and that that way because you're not moving means that they can't see you moving so therefore they don't know you're there you're firing a gun that can shoot through 4 meters worth of concrete Yeah, it's gonna be fucking loud or yeah. It's apparently a laser or something. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. I, I have to admit, I didn't have that that issue with it. I I was quite looking forward to playing Black Ops Two just because of how much I I enjoyed the first one. It it wasn't a patch on number one. It it really wasn't. I mean, I I kind of went through like I said, I went through the Wikipedia articles and things to see if there's anything big or special about this game, and there wasn't really. It had these uh, strike force missions that could affect the story. But you didn't have to play them. You know, you could skip through them completely. So, you know, them being there wasn't a, a big deal or not. They weren't much fun when you played them. But you had control. You know, you, you played a guy that had control over bots and drones and things, and almost like tower defense type thing. It was nah. again, again, like Is it like things, Assassin's Creed's tower defense. No, it was nothing like Assassin's Creed. that. Was <laughs> nice. But but like the rest of Black Ops Two, it was just forgettable and. You know, I, I like my games to be memorable. And okay, I, I don't expect your game to be memorable every year. You know, by this point, we've had a game every year for like 10 years. And most of them I enjoyed and remember. So for you to have one that was a bit forgettable, I'm, I can forgive that. But sadly, for the most part, it's kind of downhill from here for me. 
uh, it's, well, no, it is a little bit, not completely, but a little bit. It's downhill from here for me. I mean, it did have some good things. That, most importantly, you know, uh, David Goyle was back writing. A guy called Jack Wall done the music for it, who also done the music for Mass Effect One and Two, and he also came back for the music for Black Ops Three. Michael Keaton, uh, Michael Rooker, and Tony Todd all roll in to do voice acting. So you know, Treyarch tried and. I don't know how other people feel about it, but for me, it, it it wasn't shit. It just I don't remember it, and I kind of feel the need to play it again just to see if I remember it being any good. But then, so that was 2012, and from there we go on to probably the most widely battered Call of Duty yet, and that was the the first cross plat uh, cross generation uh, for this generation anyway, Call of Duty, and that was Infinity Ward's Ghosts. Now I know you played Ghosts. Yes. Ghost was free with my... Uh, it was something that, on my Xbox One that made it free, and I can't remember what it was. I believe it was a launch title for Xbox One and PS4. So did yeah. you get it as part of your bundle when you bought your Xbox One? I think so. I think... Because I'm pretty sure I got it as part of my bundle when I bought my PS4. And as a, a random point in the future, it was patched so that it became... If you got... doesn't matter which version that you got, but it was patched and it updated Ghosts to the Gold Edition, which was the, the expensive one that came with all the extra bells and whistles for a Call of Duty game that if you, you know, you paid the extra 30 quid, you got, like, gun skins and stuff. So, later on, they made it so that it was completely free to, cool. to get all of the extra cool stuff. But Very nice. Ghosts was possibly the most forgettable Call of Duty game I've ever played. Yeah, so I think I've played Ghosts twice. I think I've played it on the PS3 and then I played it when I bought my PS4 I mean which doesn't say much because there wasn't much out that I wanted to play on the PS4 when it came out but I did very quickly become a big Shadowfall fan afterwards so you know Ghost wasn't high on my priority list but I remember at the time it, it got a lot of negative feedback and I believe you know a lot of it was on over the multiplayer and you know like I said a dozen times so far on this this podcast I, I I didn't play it for the multiplayer so I didn't know if it was good or bad or you know indifferent I just didn't play it but story wise I at least remember some of it which is more than I can say for Black Ops 2 and that's not to say it's better than Black Ops 2 it's just to say that there was something about it that stuck but it had a near future like a very near future alternate timeline setting so it was released in 2013 it was set in 2017 and it was set in a time where we had nuked the Middle East yeah remembering of course that we are recording this on an election night that could end in Donald Trump being the president and Middle East being nuked in time for 2017 is not that far off. Well, it's just Middle East being nuked in time for the podcast going fucking live. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So we're talking about nuked Middle East and now South American countries have become superpowers because they have oil. I believe that's what it is. And through doing that these South, Af South American countries uh, most most notably Venezuela if I remember rightly uh, yeah I guess yeah uh, yeah, I, I think so I, I think that's what it is kind of take it upon themselves to start rattling their saber a little bit how they do that you know they do things like take over sci-fi stuff like orbital defence platforms that just drop bombs into the earth from space kinetic bombardment apparently is what it's called yeah, uh, well, isn't it? They're just kind of they're powered by the Earth's gravitational pull. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Which all sounds very sciency and good, but in reality, just don't know if it'd work. I don't know how that works. I don't need to know how that works. Uh, and basically, you are, you play a ghost, 
but so you're you're basically a squad of gases from Modern Warfare Two. <laughs> uh, you're just a US special ops team. So, you know your particular team are called the Ghosts because you know you survived the battle once. And, ooh, big big spooky story surrounding the Ghosts, and it really doesn't fucking matter because it all turns out really that it's a revenge story about somebody that used to be a ghost and isn't anymore. And then he kills your dad, who is Stephen Lang, playing Stephen Lang. Well, it's Stephen Lang plays Stephen Lang in everything. Anyone that's seen Avatar or more recently Don't Breathe can attest to that. Written by Stephen Gagan, who wrote Traffic, which, I mean, I didn't really like Traffic, but this is a massive fucking step down from Traffic. Well, you can... I'll I'll give you one name that will show just how bad this game really is. The The brother of your character. So, you know, Stephen Lang's your dad, and it's his... You play well, your brother's Brandon Ralph. Yep. Yeah, the guy that's fucking Superman and what's his face in Legends of Tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. Possibly the most bang average actors in the world. But Call of Joe Call of Call of Ghosts? Call of Duty Call of Ghosts. Ghosts. Call of Duty Ghosts had one redeeming feature for me. Riley? Riley the Dog. Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Riley the Dog was fucking awesome. And I loved him, and I was, you know, there were missions where he gets hurt and you have to carry him around, and I was like, oh, don't die, you can't die. Pretty sure that, 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 that one mission probably upset your dog, because of the fucking dog whining on the TV. Oh, I did, my dog doesn't like other dogs being in pain. And the dog whining on the TV, she, like, sat next to me shivering, making sure that everything was okay. Yeah, my dog didn't like that one little bit. Uh, it goes into a long list of games that I just couldn't play when the dog was around or had to put earphones in or, you know, a headset on because she couldn't do it. But but no, I, Riley the dog I thought was awesome and controlling Riley the dog. It was a stupid fucking gimmick. And like I say, it was just it was the Call of Duty gimmick for that year was to just have Riley the dog. But I fucking loved him. I thought Riley was great. I, just, I don't... <laughs> that game was so bad. I just... I can't... Apart from... I, what I've learned on looking at the Wikipedia entry for it, it's just, it just, when playing it, it felt like you're you're in this area shooting this, and then you move to this area to shoot this, and then you're all over the fucking world doing all kinds of crap, and it just, yeah. I, it doesn't make a completely nonsensical story that really is ridiculous, and it had a had a cliffhanger ending. Yes, yeah, so it had a cliffhanger ending. I'm I'm guessing that someone was hoping it was going to do really well. And it was going to be the next modern warfare, you know, by which I mean have you know two or three sequels. Unfortunately, it wasn't received well at all. And yeah. like I say, I do think the multiplayer was a big part of that. Well, the multiplayer's introduced kill streaks that weren't kill streaks; it was score streaks. Was that in Ghosts? I'm pretty sure it was in Ghosts that they introduced score streaks. Oh, okay. So it was a. I'm pretty sure that it was a. They they went out of their way. No, no, it may have been advanced. I don't know, I think I think Score Streaks was Black Ops Two. No, I don't think it was Black Ops Two. I don't I don't know enough. Like, <laughs> I, I barely like I didn't pay much attention to multiplayer marketing when they came out, so I I'm not a hundred percent up on it. But I'm all I'm almost certain. It Black might Ops have been because was... Black Ops Two had kill confirmed, didn't it? Yep. So yeah, pretty, it, it, it might have been. It meant you could get kill streaks without you know and still be shit at the game. Well, maybe, which... maybe not shit at the game, but. You know, yeah. you you didn't. If you were like me, you weren't playing for the kills. You were playing to play the objective. Yeah. Because I'm that kind of player. I I I'm playing domination. I'm gonna capture flags. Yeah. Or I'm playing search and destroy. I'm gonna blow up the bomb. Yeah. It's like it's like I'm not doing it to get the ridiculous number of kill cams at the end with a fucking quick scope, no scope battle, yeah. jumping, doing a 360 <laughs> off of a fucking tower. So the 
the largely forgettable ghosts. I do get the feeling, actually, that I, to call it churned out would, would be mean, but I do think it was churned out. I think it was rushed out to be a launch title for the new machines, and I think that's probably what hurt it yeah. more than anything. But there was kind of like this this glimmer of hope, and I, I know not everybody agrees with me when it comes to this, but the following year, we got Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Play Advanced Warfare. No. <laughs> Advanced it's, Warfare I, was, was fucking great. I, I tell you what, you could you could name any any Call of Duty game now from the rest and up until this year's one, and I'll just say no, I, I didn't play it. Well, uh, luckily, after Advanced Warfare, there's only two. one until this year's one. So Advanced Warfare, a full you know full on future set set in 2054, not an Infinity Ward game, and not a Treyarch game. Oh, this was the the, the extra studio they brought in yeah. so they could do three different titles. Well, this is so it wasn't Burnout. Complete this is burnout Sledgehammer well. Games made this. Now Sledgehammer Games co-devved Modern Warfare 3 with Infinity Ward. So now Sledgehammer Games have been handed the reins and been given their own Call of Duty game to make. Now I believe technically canonically. Advanced Warfare is a sequel or is in the same universe as the Modern Warfare games. I All right. But it's so, you know, Modern Warfare 3 is set in 2017 and this is set in 2054. So there's you know, 40 something years, 30 something years gap. Okay. But I believe it's set in the same universe. So it's like but, the, the World at War to Black Ops 1. Yeah, pretty much. But this was where things started changing, not necessarily for the better in the eyes of a lot of people, because of course this was also the year Titanfall came out. So I believe, if I if I've got my dates and months right, I believe Titanfall came out February or March 2014. And yeah, I I I'd certainly say it's I, around then. I believe that's when it came out. I might be wrong, but then November 2014, Advanced Warfare came out and had exosuits, which. Yeah, it had. They're not titans. They're not titans, but they do have some of the abilities of the pilots. You, you know, double jumping, bit of wall running, customizable, dependent on what you want to do in that particular mission. An interesting add-on to the to the, the standard Call of Duty model, an interesting way to change it up a little bit. I didn't mind it when it finally let go of your hand and let you just play the way you you know thought you could play. It was a lot of fun. It does hold your hand a lot because it's Call of Duty. The game holds your hand a lot. A very, a very out of the headline story again. You know, this this time it's it's PMCs trying to start wars to make to keep themselves relevant, which you know that's it's, believable. It's very believable. Made even more believable by Kevin Spacey playing the uh, lead bad guy, who was just outstanding. And I'd really enjoyed him in this. Oh, I big... fucking forgot it was Kevin Spacey. Yeah, the big, the big thing about this one. And you, even if you haven't played it, you must have seen this. Is that after the first mission, your buddy's killed, and you go to his funeral? And he like went on a console, and you're like, press X to pay respects. This fucking thing has been memed to death yeah. since this fucking game came out. It is the single stupidest thing, and you'd have thought they'd have learned because a couple of years previous, Medal of Honor done something very similar, and it was utter dog shit. They just fell completely flat. You know, it didn't get the emotional pull that people were expecting from it. It was just guff. And <laughs> there was no, it was just so, so rubbish and so stupid and just so fucking Call of Duty. But it wasn't But it wasn't a bad game. Outside of that, it was actually a lot of fun. The exosuit made you feel powerful, but not overpowerful, because other people had them as well. You know, it had a lot of new tech, so grenades that would target people instead of just hopefully landing near someone so you, it would blow them up. You know, it had uh, like seeker type things that you could 
you'd lob a grenade and it would highlight enemies in cover so you, you know you wouldn't have to guess where they were because obviously at this point ai is at a point where these things don't just stop and shoot at you they actually they move around and they try and flank you and shit and you know <clears throat> it was advanced warfare was a really good game I genuinely didn't understand the hate it got. Uh, obviously, adding exosuits and their abilities into the multiplayer changed up everything. You know that that's not just a slight change. That's you know that's a massive evolution to to a set multiplayer that I understand a lot of people really wouldn't have liked. But certainly, as far as story goes, Advanced Warfare was tons of fun. You know, and if you ever see it going cheap, you know, fucking CEX or something. <laughs> it's worth a few quid to pick up and have a play. I was going like... to say, wait for it to go games with gold, but it's an Activision title and they're, they're very anti-Microsoft at the moment. West well, Call of Duty title will never be for free for anyone. No. Well, it might but... go... No. Ghost no. went free. But it was yeah. also the last... Ghost was the last, like, Call of Duty to go do anything on Xbox that was ahead of PlayStation. Yeah. No, I think Advanced Warfare got, got the early stuff with Xbox. I think the Sony deal started with Black Ops 3. I believe, I believe that's how it worked. I may be wrong, but again, you know, I'm I'm losing count of the amount of times I said it. It it was all multiplayer stuff, so it, it it didn't affect or bother me. So I never really looked that deep into it. But I would definitely say, you know, if you get a chance, Advanced Warfare was a lot of fun. I really liked it. It was, yeah. it was Call of Duty. It was short. It was sweet. It was fun. Big set pieces and lots of dumb fun moments. Certainly better than the next game in the franchise. <sighs> I don't want to talk about Black Ops. 3. So let's skip it and move on to the next uh, one. Well, actually, I mean, it's a couple of quick points with, with Advanced Warfare before we move on. So, and, you know, this will probably be the last time I say because I think they're just on permanent duty with them now, but Raven Software, again, done multiplayer stuff. But the developer High Noon Studios yeah. made Transformers, I believe. Yeah. They were the guys that done the 360 and PS3 ports for Advanced Warfare. They, uh, this was Activision and, and Call of Duty as a whole. This was the start to moving away from from the old generation of consoles which I mean which was understandable because there was a lot of things that went on in Advanced Warfare that needed the power of the newer consoles for. and you know the older consoles just while they seemed to handle it well it must have been such a bad experience compared to the newer machine I know that kind of goes without saying but Advanced Warfare was advanced the engine wasn't particularly the engine was always going to look okay because it's been the same engine for a decade you know the game itself and what it had to do that must have that must have had some pretty pretty warm PlayStation 3s by the end of that. But that takes us to last year's entry and the last one that we're quickly going to gloss over and that's Black Ops 3. Thank fuck didn't play this one either. <sighs> this I could I've not I'm not going to rattle off numbers because that that just that would be a level of boring that I don't want to do but and we'll uh, we've someone's obviously we asked people about Call of Duty on social media again and someone brought this up as well so this year's Call of Duty sold in its first week half of what Black Ops 3 sold and I cannot for the life of me figure out why this why Black Ops 3 sold well it was terrible just terrible the the single player for this game it it took 12 years for this to happen but it just felt soulless there was nothing about black ops 3 that was redeeming story wise it wasn't fun to play it was basically for the most part this never ending stream of shit terminators coming at you that you just had to kill and move on and and i understand how that sounds and i understand that all call of duties are basically corridor shooters you kill everything and move on but 
there was just something about Black Ops 3. The only word I can use to describe it is soulless. It just... I got to about the halfway point of Black Ops 3 and cared so little about what was going on. I just... I started a game. I started a mission. I dropped the difficulty down to easy and literally just ran through with my finger on the trigger as much as I could just to, just so I could see the end of this. <laughs> just this to make it stop. <laughs> just, just because I... I don't like not finishing things if it's doable to finish. And you know, to not finish a six-hour game that you're already halfway through is stupid. And the fact that I fucking paid for it, so may as well finish it. So I did. But it somehow it managed to get worse as well when, when I'd done that. Towards the end, and this felt like this kind of desperation move on the part of the developers. So you, there's one section in the end of the game, or towards the end of the game, where you start tripping. And now you're fighting Nazi zombies in the campaign and all i could think while i was playing this was this just seems like treyarch desperately screaming please don't forget about us and our zombies we're still here and so is zombies come and have some fun playing zombies and i was just i was bored and annoyed that zombies was in my now completely futuristic game because it's set this one was set in 2065 40 years after black ops 2's futuristic bits so we're you know we're full-on futuristic now and aside from that the story was a bit shit. I don't understand. I don't. I certainly don't know. I don't remember if the story actually had anything to do with Black Ops One and Two. I don't know. I just. I don't remember. I don't think it did. I don't think David Mason was in it. But I can't remember if David Mason makes it to the end of Black Ops Two because, like I say, that was pretty forgettable all on its own. But I just bland, soulless. It just no. It. I forget. I mean, I I'd done the same. Like I said, you know, Ghost is a, probably the worst entry Call of Duty in quite a while, and didn't really like it. And then I played Black Ops Three, and I forgave Ghosts almost everything because I just I didn't like it. It was shite, absolute waste of time, waste of money. Uh, and I had to do a lot of I had to justify spending money this year to myself after that. You know, I've bought since four. I think I've bought every Call of Duty on release day, and I've always played them. Apart from Black Ops Two and Black Ops Three, I've always come out being able to remember stuff that happened and and enjoying myself. But I got to the end of Black Ops Three, and I went, I literally, I genuinely think I might be done with Call of Duty, and I literally up until maybe two weeks before Infinite Warfare came out, I was still of that mind. Not sure I want to buy it. Of course I did, which gladly moves us on from the worst Call of Duty game to come out to actually what I thought was a really good one, and that was this year's Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, developed by Infinity Ward, Infinity Ward back at the reins. Infinity Ward with Infinite Warfare. Yeah. Also, to mention very quickly with Black Ops 3, it it did have a port to the old console, so PS3 and Xbox 360, but the multiplayer only. So if you only had a 360 or a PS3, you could only play the multiplayer, you couldn't play the campaign. So you got off light. <laughs> so anyway, so Infinite Warfare, the first only this gen, the first only current gen of this uh, generation of consoles. So it's only out on Xbox One, PS4, and the PC. Infinity Ward back at the reins, like I said. And a whole new story. And this one you played, didn't you? Yes. What did you I think? I played, I picked it up uh, because I... I don't know why I picked it up in the end. I think it was just 
it was sheer boredom and the fact that we were doing this episode on Call of Duty, so I thought, I need to play the new one, otherwise it's going to be you talking for four <laughs> hours with me barely throwing a word in every so often, so I thought, fuck it, I'll pick it up. And I played it. I, I, I enjoyed the story. I won't touch the multiplayer, probably, because I played it once at EGX and probably that's enough. Didn't The, the multiplayer didn't didn't entice me in the way that any other shooter multiplayer has but as far as it goes the story was I'll admit I don't remember much of the actual story itself now even though I only played it on Saturday (laughs) but the the actual the game itself was really well done considering it played like slow Titanfall yeah so you've got the wall running You've got the boost jumping, and you've got the boost sliding. All things that are in Titanfall, but Titanfall seems to do it. We are. Uh, if this game came out first, and then you played Titanfall afterwards, you would say that Titanfall was Infinite Warfare on speed. But it's not that way around, it's the other way, and Titanfall came first, and this game feels like slow Titanfall, which <laughs> is as bad an insult as you can give a game that is essentially slow Titanfall. But playing through it and meeting some of the characters, um, you know, Staff Sergeant Omar, played by David Harewood, who looks like David Harewood, like hauntingly like David Harewood. Yeah, see, David Harewood's no stranger to, to video games. He was actually your commanding officer in Killzone 4. Yeah. And looked like David Harewood, which was, yeah, a bit scary. Yeah. And um, the robot sidekick, Ethan, who was brilliant bit of comic relief, I think. Some some of his interactions with the other characters, and oh, yeah. and, the, I, and the way that they warmed to him as a uh, as a character, especially yeah. right from the start when they meet him, they're all a bit wary of him, and then it's like they they all really just take to him after like a couple of missions, yeah. just after a couple of things that he does and says. No, I I really I, Ethan I thought as a character was very very cool, and I would like to see more of that should the Infinite Warfare story continue. Infinite Warfare 2. If they keep Which the way is... if they keep the way they're going, it won't be for three years. In three years time, Infinite Warfare Two, I would take that, assuming they haven't fucked it completely in the two years between them. Well uh, the the ending to this one isn't it's more like Modern Warfare One's ending, where it's a an ending that you can finish the game you can finish a franchise with. Well not even a franchise. Oh yeah you for can sure. finish it's I not think... like Ghost's ending where it's clearly a sequel coming that then never happens or it's not Modern Warfare 2's ending where it's a sequel that probably shouldn't have happened in the end after the disappointment that it was but this is an ending which was an ending to the story uh, for sure it was well, I think they learnt yeah. with Ghosts you can't assume that you're going to get a sequel just because you're Infinity Ward and you're Call of Duty you know we'll probably never get the sequel that's been teased for Ghosts but you never know the Sledgehammer might make it but what you get with Infinity War, Infinite Warfare, if I call this fucking game Infinity War one more time, I'm going to lose my shit. Do it. <laughs> Infinity War. No. Yeah. So if they, obviously without spoiling it, because I, I don't want to spoil Infinite Warfare, because that, that would be unfair, considering it's only been out a few days. But it does end in such a way that there's no cliffhanger, the story's wrapped up nicely. If they want to do another story or another you know, follow-on, they can... But there's no cliffhanger. There's no oh, what's going to happen next. It's wrapped up and done. So if they want to do something else, fine. I wouldn't say no to an Infinite Warfare two. But yeah, I'd I'd accept an Infinite Warfare two. Uh, I was 
there's some things in the in the game, so no spoilers whatsoever, that were a little uh, after a few of the scenes, especially towards the later stages, I was kind of going, ah, oh, I I didn't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, but as far as it goes, it, how many missions was the story? Like five, and then yeah, it was like that. that there was all of the side quests. Yes. Yeah, so, so this so, so the game it was, so it does that lovely thing where it gives you an option of doing a few side quests and. Having it as an option, I think, is great because I've done one or two. They're, they're split into two types. They're split into the, the kind of ship invasion things yeah, and, and space combat. Yeah. And space shenanigans were awesome. Yeah. Space, I, space shenanigans were fun. I uh, really, really enjoyed it. And they, they Call of Duty fired it. Of course they did, which meant, you know, they were very basic. And you, you fly around, you lock on, you shoot, and you're done. But they were tons and tons of fun. And I, I really, really liked them. It, it added an extra layer to Call of Duty that I think it needed something a little bit fresh uh, I thought it was excellently done I thought the story actually was impressive again it was people have colonised uh, we've colonised other planets because we've drained Earth of resources but and then the colonies then turn their back but certain it's factions a- don't like that we're doing that or certain factions don't like that they're being controlled by Earth um, yeah it's essentially the American... It's basically modern warfare story of the Russians wanting to be great again, but instead of Russians this time, it's people on Mars. It's basically uh, American Revolution, except yeah. you are the British side of it. <laughs> yeah. So, fuck you Americans, thinking you're all high and mighty with your independence. Now you're fighting for the other side in this game, and independence is a bad thing. It was interesting, though. It was. I. I didn't find myself bored. I didn't think at any point the that the story was sagging or it was being dragged out. I thought it was sharp and well done. It was well acted. You know, it's got a half decent cast. Like you say, David Harewood in it. Kit Harrington. I was disappointed by Kit Harrington. It's Jon Snow. I don't yeah. know why people think this guy's a good actor because he's really not. I've seen him well, in a few things that aren't Game of Thrones, and he sucks. I've seen two. I've seen one film him with him in that what is obviously not Game of Thrones and that spooks and I've seen the advert for uh, Pompeii and just went nope yeah exactly just hell no he, he can't act he's gotten yeah. very lucky with Game of Thrones he's and... very lucky with Game of Thrones in that he's playing a character that is essentially completely pan faced there, there's nothing to him but much like Aaron Paul before him who can only really play Jesse from Breaking Bad and if he veers too much from that he's just shit I don't you know I don't rate Kit Harrington at all really as an actor but I thought he'd done okay here considering his acting in this was almost entirely voice work and he was given a voice script well just, just fucking, he was given a script that was completely deadpan yeah it's there's, there's nothing to it apart from the fact that you are man in military trying to blow up the earth yeah, you can't I mean, really, you can't, there isn't really much to go from from that. I mean, you can easily fuck it up. I think I just think he done okay. I don't I don't think he fucked it up at all. I think he was alright. But you know, and fucking Conor McGregor's in it. And well, the, this little fucking cameo as um the 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 fillion. Lewis Hamilton's in it. I I never bumped into Lewis Hamilton's character. I if it wasn't for the fact that I I like Formula One <laughs> and. The constant fucking tweeting that has been going on regarding it from Formula One pages yeah. about Lewis Hamilton's existence, and one of my friends, um, who we will probably mention a bit later on when we go into talking about people yeah. in the real world, talk, uh, wanting to their little claim to fame being mentioned on our podcast, <laughs> is a massive anti-Hamilton fan. 
Yeah. He fucking hates Hamilton to the point where he's joined a Facebook group that is anti-Hamilton memes <laughs> and all kinds of crap. Wow. Uh, it's fucking... It's hilarious just how much he hates Lewis Hamilton. Fair and enough. he spent ages just, like, berating his existence in the Call of Duty world. Fair enough. But I never bumped into the character, so if it wasn't for my mate mentioning it and being a Formula 1 fan, I wouldn't have known he was even in it. Up as additional voices, so I don't remember coming across any of his stuff, but Craig Fairbrass is back for this one. <laughs> so. He's probably playing a guy called um, something beginning with G. Something witty. Yeah, Greg. His name's yeah, Greg. that'll do. Greg, <laughs> and he's the chef selling sausage rolls in the canteen. Exactly. But and yeah. pasties and steak bakes. I played a... You say you didn't play the, the multiplayer for it? No, I didn't I didn't touch the multiplayer for it. I played for a little while, not for long. Uh <laughs> I basically, I jumped in, sucked at free-for-all, sucked at Team Deathmatch, and had some fun on Kill Confirmed, because it's a slightly slower game mode. Then turned it off, and went and played Modern Warfare Remastered. But overall, I, and the internet's a shit place if you're a Call of Duty fan anyway. You, you go onto Facebook and look at anybody that mentions, or certainly any company that mentions Call of Duty, and the, the comments will just be filled with assholes calling it the worst one ever, and this one's no different. So many people hate it. Uh, I don't get the hate. I'm. I really quite enjoyed this one. It definitely. I, I'm not going to swear off of Call of Duty like I almost did last year with Black Ops Three. You know, next year's one. I'll give. I'll. I'll give a chance. So I won't have to think about it. I'll just go. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Not a bad game at all. Certainly not as far as I'm. Uh, um, beyond that, there's the zombies in Spaceland, and there's a fuck ton of um, achievements for Spaceland. Okay. Um, I haven't tried the zombies for this one yet. I, I I bought this one digitally, so it's currently installed on my Xbox, so I might give it a bash at some point because it's there. Yeah, the, 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 the first map that's in Spaceland is... It's an 80s movie-style theme park. Yeah, I saw that. And the four, the four characters are basically Seth Green and SNL-type actors. Fair enough. Play, playing, well, 80s arch-type... <laughs> just generic spoof characters of 1980s wannabe actors fair enough trapped inside a horror film basically but um, uh, David Hasselhoff is also in, in it as a voice oh wow yeah. sign me up exactly I, I knew that that would get you excited <laughs> got to get to play as the Hoff oh you don't you don't play as a Hoff he's just the DJ oh okay fair enough he's the theme park DJ jeez I think that brings our uh, our Call of Duty chat to an end mate should we move on to thoughts from other people's? <laughs> Did we get any thoughts from we other people? We got a couple. We we got an email, actually. Matt Lamborn uh, yeah, emailed it, me. Because it wasn't us. enough in a tweet. No, it wasn't. Uh, but we also got we got a couple, couple of responses on Facebook when I asked. If you dig into the Facebook, so we asked people what their favourite, what their favourite, you know, do they still play card, their favourite card, do they not play it? What, what do we get on the Facebook? On Facebook, we got from our mutual buddy Lee okay. uh, who says that he never really enjoyed any of them, played a, a few though most memorable was Modern Warfare mainly because I played one multiplayer match and got a great KD and never played it again. Fair enough which, <laughs> fair play to the chap, it's like you, you, it is the multiplayer for Modern Warfare well any Call of Duty game is that you can play one game, if you're good at it you then make the decision do you keep playing it, see how good you really are or You've played it once. It's that you don't need to do it anymore. Yeah, it's just, it's just generic on um, 
an ice skates shooter. There are yeah. other better shooters out there, multiplayer-wise. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Been talking sure. about Call of Duty for hours, but you know, and and the multiplayer aspect being the main draw. But there are better shooters. Yeah, no, I I was never the multiplayer type for Call of Duty, so no, I understand that completely. On Facebook, a uh, message from that guy Tony, who we spoke to. <laughs> Is our, our buddy Tony Black? Yeah. Yeah. Just just that guy. That guy. Okay. So. I think I bought one of them years ago, but I swiftly became bored. I'd say war games aren't my thing, but I lapped up loads of Medal of Honor games, so don't know. Fair enough. Medal of Honor Medal- hasn't been Medal of Honor for a long time, though. So, I mean, I'm I'm guessing he's talking about the original. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking Medal Allied Assault, um, yeah. Rising Sun, not yeah. European Assault, and the. 2010. Yeah. Although 2010 was fantastic. See, I loved 2010, but I also loved Warfighter, so you know, I, my judgment is clearly skewed. But yeah, no, yeah nobody, I, I, nobody liked Warfighter. No. But I can understand, you know, liking War, liking uh, Medal of Honor, but not really getting on with Call of Duty. That's pretty standard. Yeah, um, Matt Lamborn posted on the Facebook a uh, quick mention: most fun playing Black Ops and Modern Warfare 2. Uh, experience is almost exclusively multiplayer. He yeah. went to the midnight launch for Modern Warfare 2 and he, apparently every midnight launch he's been to since then has been a bit shit. Yeah. That, that's paraphrased yeah. because he emailed. So yeah. I'm assuming he probably mentions that in the email somewhere. Uh, I don't think he does but, but but it's kind of like what I said earlier though, wasn't it? it? Was Modern Warfare 2 was a fucking monster. You know, nothing nothing matched it after that Not Modern much. Warfare 2 was the yardstick it was the yep. game of all games in Call of Duty and they will never make it again. even you know what if Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 actually gets a remaster I still think that it will suffer and it won't be played like the original fair enough which is probably a bad thing actually yeah. well if they couldn't sell this one with the new one for yeah. 60 quid which is what maybe five pounds sixty quid is ten pounds more than what the standard uh Call of Duty price is. Yeah. You know, at launch. So what, you're paying a tenner to get Modern Warfare one back remastered to play again and for some reason no one's picked it up. That's fair enough. And my buddy Nate uh says I will give them the fact that they make absolutely killer campaigns in their games. They have always been amazing. It's multiplayer in my opinion went downhill during the Black Ops one and future games. In fact, Black Ops 1 was the last I played, I believe. Fair enough. Yeah. Hasn't really followed with the times at all. They have kept most of the multiplayer the same, just adding new weapons or new power-ups. If they tried a different angle, I may well be interested. However, they saw Titanfall and thought, yeah, cool, we'll steal all of that. <laughs> so, yeah, he kind of fit. He kind of sees my point of the new one is essentially slow Titanfall. Yeah, but I think and, this is something that came up with Advanced Warfare as well, because obviously Advanced Warfare... I said earlier was released same year as Timefall and they had you know double jumping and slightly you know wall running we had definitely with Black Ops 3 I can't remember if we had it with Advanced Warfare I, I honestly can't remember but you know we, we definitely Titanfall and Advanced Warfare coming out the same year was poor timing on Call of Duty's part especially because they should have known that was fucking coming but yeah no I see his point so we uh we got an email from, from our buddy Matt Lamborn good friend of the show Matt Lamborn basically a, a quick quick Infinite Warfare review which was very interesting actually so I'm gonna, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna do all of it it shouldn't take me too long so he said I've tried my hardest not to let the anti-hype cloud my judgement pre-launch for Infinite Warfare my initial reaction to the reveal was what the fuck why is this series that I love why is this series that I love that is vested and born out of the real conflicts of mankind's greatest modern wars now taking things into space 
I'm not a sci-fi shooter kind of guy. I don't like Halo or Crisis or games of that ilk. That said, I'm not one of these boots on the ground or World War II fanboys either. I loved Modern Warfare 1 and 2, and I surprisingly adored Black Ops 3. It was the right blend of the adventurous futurism that Advanced Warfare shot for, but ultimately overstepped the mark. For me, Infinite Warfare undoes all the good repair work by Black Ops 3, and returns to being self-indulgent and betrays what makes the series so popular. I'm mostly a multiplayer gamer, but I've grinded out the campaign in one day, thoroughly enjoyed the gameplay. The mix of FPS and space vehicular combat is very well executed, although it felt nearly impossible to die in space. Yeah, I'll agree with that. For once, I actually find myself at odds with the story. It was weak and entirely brief. I barely, actually barely remember anything happening, and before I knew it, I was at the end without a whole lot happening plot-wise. But the action delivers, and that is despite a highly confusing inventory, so many grenade variants, and the weapons that are at times unsatisfying. But like any COD, it has epic set pieces, great voice acting, and a good, vil- good villain in Salem Karch. I'm sure anyone who liked old campaigns will find this plenty satisfying. However, the multiplayer is a shambles. It's the mode that keeps the game alive beyond the first weekend, and how Activism, Activision makes their money as they delude kids out of their pocket money to buy random crates of goodies. Yes, the pay-to-win model is alive and well in Infinite <laughs> Warfare. The time to kill is all sorts of lunacy, whereby normal TDM feels like hardcore and you die constantly as soon as you're spotted, not to mention the classic issue of shoot first, die first, being a massive barrier to enjoyment here. Maps are subjectively terrible, weapons uninteresting and confusing, lethal grenades don't appear to be at all dangerous and spawning too near the action remains a massive detractor for this series. Also, as an aside, it seems that Activision, in their infinite wisdom, have released the PC version on both Steam and Windows Store, but segregated both markets, thereby cutting an already limited player base in half. So if you've gone PC expecting the Elite COD experience, you're going to be you'll be playing predominantly TDM forevermore. I can't help but feel that Activision's attempts at to outfuture the departing respawn entertainment, they've actually removed any likability, nostalgia, or brand loyalty people had towards Call of Duty, which is backed up by all the YouTube anti-hype and the terrible sales stats down 50% on launch weekend of Blops 3. The next COD has to has to be a return to what made the series great, a fast-paced, skill-based, modern warfare Black Ops game whilst taking what they learnt about advanced movement but toning it down for a modern reality. Dives, slides, etc. but no boost jumps. He finishes off, telling us COD has one life remaining before it's dishonorably discharged. Here's hoping they go back to basics and come back for the big win. Yeah, I, I think I agree with maybe 50% of this. I Like I've already said, I didn't like Black Ops 3, and I enjoyed Infinite Warfare a lot, and I think me and Matt possibly literally are at opposite ends of the scale for those two games. I do think he has a lot of good points. I read about the PC, uh, the Steam Windows 10 app thing, or Windows Store thing, this week and thought it was fucking lunacy. I, I can't imagine anybody having a decent business reason for that absolute fucking ridiculousness uh that's the first time hearing about that i didn't realize that it was released on pc in general just like putting yeah, that yeah. out there but oh no it definitely came to, out on pc but they've it's got a separate release between steam and windows that's fucking stupid it's like what are they gonna uh are activision planning their own platform no i doubt it because no, they, uh, they haven't. They got, don't have enough games. No, they haven't got the market for it. They've it's got, not like EA, not. which have Origin, and yeah. even Ubisoft have UPlay or whatever they call it now. Yeah, but, but I do, that suffers. I do think he's he's got a point in a lot of it. I think the Titanfall Infinite Warfare thing. I'm still playing Titanfall Two. 
I do think Titanfall 2 is the superior game, but I'm saving that for the next show because I want to finish it first. And I have a lot to say about Titanfall 2 because it is fucking outstanding. Yeah, I do... I'm, I'm with Matt on the story. It is largely forgettable now that I've finished it. And I remember a couple of, the f- of, of things that happen and those are the things that will stick with me for a little while because they're things that I kind of... After seeing it happen, you, you look back... You didn't want it to happen at the time, no. but it's absolutely s- typical, oh, I don't want this to happen, so Call of Duty's going to make it happen. Think- thinking back on it, every other Call of Duty game has had a, has had moments where it's uh, the, the helicopter in Modern Warfare 1 with the nuke, yeah. you, you know, it's it's something that's like, oh, fuck, that's... That's not what I was expecting. It's not. It's not really where I'd have. I really wanted the story to go. No. Um. The mission. I think it's the. I think it's like the third mission. Actual mission. The third out of the four or five, where you are on the Mercury. Yep. Yep. You're on Mercury, and it's the the robot army that you're shooting away. Yeah. That the end of that was. I didn't. I I didn't enjoy the end of that mission. So no spoilers for anyone. No. And I, I agree with Matt's idea that the story is largely forgettable because there's four or five missions, yeah. and the rest of it's hidden behind the 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 side quests that we mentioned earlier yeah. to to pad it out. That's not yeah. a Call of Duty story. A Call of Duty story is fourteen missions. Of yeah, story. see, I kind of I I half agree with that, but at the same time, fourteen missions or five missions, Call of Duty games still only last six to seven hours, so. Seven half but, seven half an hour long missions. Uh, sorry, fourteen half an hour long missions, or five hour and a bit long missions. You know. But the missions weren't an hour and a bit long. They were five half an hour long missions with ten half an hour long. Nah. Um, nah. That I mean, cu- I only I done a couple of the side missions uh, while I was playing the game. But I think six to seven hours. I think it took me to finish that game. So yeah. I mean, that's number of missions aside, I, I think six to seven hours is pretty much what I expect from Call of Duty. Any more than that, and now it's boring because yeah. I am just doing the same fucking thing over and over and over again. But I, but I do see the point, and the story isn't the greatest. I, like I say, I enjoyed it, and I do, I do see this point. I think we're we're gonna they're gonna lose a lot of people if they stick to a sci-fi setting. But at the same time, my fear now is that next year we're gonna have a World War One shooter from Call of Duty simply because Battlefield fucking done it this year and that's not what Call of Duty want to be doing. No, Call of Duty want to I don't know what the what the next thing is because it's been a long Battlefield 1's been successful because it's gone to World War 1 because it's an entirely new and different area of time that no one has really done before and they can pick and choose the battles that they want that are iconic that people remember that have films after them and stories that are well documented and well known yeah. in in cinema in books in TV they could do that yeah. with the next call of duty game pick a pick a time that was that's well documented in some way yeah. that you have the you they won't get the multiplayer side of it if you go back to world war 2 or before i think the issue is not the 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 skater shooter yeah i think the issue for me with call of duty isn't where they well the problem they've got actually they, they keep going to the future because whichever developer it is at the time keeps trying to innovate uh and obviously you know if and we got we hark back to call of duty 4 again the multiplayer was a true innovation in what it done and the single player was a fantastic single player but because everything in that way has been done and they're looking to innovate they think they have to go futuristic so they can make 
silly shit that the game can do, you know, wall running and double jumping and all this bollocks that all these games now do. But I, I think they're running out of ways to innovate and so they're getting kind of desperate. I Back to basics, I think, is what they need to be doing now. Uh, and please, God, not World War One. Well, they could quite easily do current warfare. So, what? The, the difference between what modern warfare thought was going to be modern warfare is very different to what actual modern warfare is. The Yes, they have UAVs, but the, the other drones, the, the drones that are in infinite warfare, exist in the world now. Yeah. And you can have wall running to an extent, and uh, to, to an extent, redo the mantling for parkour. Okay. I mean, maybe maybe do a parkour shooter like, um, oh, what was that? The cell shaded game. Fuck, I've forgotten it. It was released not that long, uh, a couple of years ago. Talking about body count. No. You lost me. Uh, Brink? Blink? Brink. Brink. Yeah, yeah, no one will make a game like Brink anymore because that failed fucking miserably. But it could work with a, a an actual like modern shooter style game rather than cell shaded. This game's a piece of ass, but buy it anyway. Yeah, the Throw, pro- please the give is us they, money. They need to do it. They need to innovate, and at the same time, they need to still it needs to still feel like Call of Duty, which is what they're struggling to do at the moment. Yeah, I suppose. But at least with Titanfall, it it felt like a good. It, it felt like the guys from who left Infinity Ward and made Respawn knew what they were doing when they were making a new shooter. Yeah, but it felt like they were being allowed to do what they wanted to do. I think that's... What do you think, Matt? I think that's us done. I think that's us done, yeah. Cool. Three and a half hours later. Yeah. So, only a couple of things left to, to do. Uh, a recommendation for, for this week, mate? My recommendation is something I mentioned earlier on in the news... Uh, which was the after N7 day yesterday, Mass Effect 2 and 3 are available for free on EA Access on Xbox One. Cool. Uh, and very quickly then, my, my recommendation will be from hopefully the Tuesday, I think, after the podcast airs, on Games for Gold with Far Cry Blood Dragon, which is for 360 and backwards compatible for Xbox One. So should absolutely Fuck yeah, be motherfucker. picking that up because it is outstanding. I do want to do a quick... A quick thing, and it's not something I'm going to do every week, but I, the last couple of weeks I've been absolutely blown away by the amount of support we've got. I know you don't listen to many games podcasts, but I listen to, to quite a few, and we've got some very, very cool plugs from some very cool podcasts over the last couple of weeks. And I, I literally, I, it was genuinely humbling to, to hear people mention our podcast on this podcast I've listened to, one of them for close to three years I've been listening to them and it was amazing so I just want to say a big huge thanks and a a bit of a shout out you must go and listen to these people as well so uh, our friend Matt Lamborn uh, is a host for RGDS the Retro Gaming Daily Show so you should absolutely subscribe to them and have a listen and Chris who's uh, dastardly dastardly jabby on Twitter who is a host for the Same Coin podcast uh, he's given us a couple of shout outs as well and they you know he is a very cool guy and the same coin is a very cool podcast you should absolutely be listening to that guys i cannot thank you enough for the shout outs it's like genuinely you know it was humbling to see to have that it was absolutely great that said it's getting very late and i want to go to bed uh <laughs> so I, and i've got to edit this mammoth of a fucking thing tomorrow where Christ, can, it's nearly midnight <laughs> it is nearly midnight where can people find you mate if they want to find you outside of this podcast 
they can find me uh, on Twitter, uh, the John underscore CU, on Xbox Live as Long Dong Silver. And I am at Brooker411 on the Twitter. Uh, we are at Character Unlock on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram now. Don't forget that. And you can find me on PSN and Xbox Live at Troublemaker411. And if you don't want to find either of us anywhere else, we will be back in a couple of weeks. And I believe we are going to be talking about stealth games as our main thing. Yeah, stealth games. Cool. Uh, until then, guys, thank you very, very much for listening. And we will catch you in a fortnight. And that, mate, is us fucking done. Character Unlock was presented by Andrew Brooker and John Miller, with music provided with permission from Miracle of Sound from the track A Dog's Life. Character Unlock is recorded for failed critics and is a part of the failed media network of podcasts, along with Field and Mullinger's Underground Nights and the Failed Critics Film Podcast. And you can check us out at failedcritics.com or find us on Twitter at Character Unlock. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.